Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. Hi, this is Jonathan Doe, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema. Let's start this where most interviews start. Take us back. Where did your love for like movies and horror begin? Oh, my love for horror started when I was a little guy, just like most of us. Um, I was like five, six, seven, and my mom would go to sleep and my dad would say, hey, you want to see a cool movie? You know, just don't tell your mom or whatever. And we'd stay up and we'd watch all the Universal Monsters. So we'd watch Frankenstein, we'd watch The Wolfman, we'd watch Creature from the Black Lagoon, and made me a monster kid. And I'm still a monster kid. That, that's interesting, because it's like you listen to a guy like Fred Vogel talk about it. Like, a lot of the people who, like, go from just fans to filmmakers start with the Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. You think there's any oh. correlation with that? Um, 100%. Like, I know this has all kind of been talked to death, but... Um, you know any weird insecurities and stuff you have as a kid or being a a strange guy you know obsessed with darker subject matter and stuff we always sympathize with the monsters and i remember watching like old stop motion ray harryhausen movies when i was a kid and we had this magazine in our tv room and it would just have all these cool black and white monster movies or william castle movies and stuff like that in it and i would have we had a blockbuster and a hollywood video right next to each other and we had accounts with both of them. So we, I'd go like, what is the beast from 20,000 Fathoms? That is a sick looking monster. And we run out and find it. Mm. So the, it just stuck with me up until I was older. Like all my films now all have monsters in them. Uh, yeah. And I love that. <laughs> I'm a monster yeah. guy too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we, we definitely got into horror because of that kind of, that, that, that stuff as well. Like the universal stuff is, like it, it was groundbreaking for the time, and it still is. And it's and like it. It's really one of those things where it's when you watch it, it's like, oh, you know, I want to do that type of thing. So, oh, a hundred and ten percent. Like, um, uh, James Wales Frankenstein. Like everybody talks about that film, and Creature from the Black Lagoon is like such an amazing monster design, even by today. Oh yeah. Like, Jack Pierce was the makeup dude, and he just knocked it out of the park. He created, like, iconic look after iconic look. And he didn't do the creature, but um, he's the man. And I'd love to see, like, the tree that he kind of created, all the people who branched out off of him, like Jack Pierce, and then um, um, Dick Smith. And, like, it just kept going and going, and it's just so awesome. Yeah, and it's like, you know, when it comes to a guy like that, it's like those early makeups still hold up to this day. It's crazy. Like the Frankenstein monster and the mummy in particular, that old age makeup is still done to this day. <laughs> like that's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And thinking about like Karloff, like being such an icon playing the mummy and um, Frankenstein and everything, like 
what a legend, you know. I got to oh, meet yeah. his uh, like granddaughter at like a convention one time. Oh, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> so when did it switch over from being just a fan and watching movies to be like, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to make movies. Um, when I was a little guy in probably middle school, 10, 11, 12, I had, we had a computer and I had a little webcam and I had a bunch of Play-Doh and I would make little stop motion animations of like dudes stabbing each other with toothpicks and (laughs) making blood squirt out and all sorts of fun stuff. And I wish so bad that I still had those, but that computer is like doodah now. There is no way we're getting those things back. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but oh man it would be so fun like that computer literally got left in the rain <laughs> oh oh no <laughs> yeah, that sucker is done for um oh god but that, i guess i have probably like 15 20 little stop motion things i used to do or videos with my friends where like i just speed up the footage and make us run really fast if we had superpowers or do something like that and i'd always try to make like the most ridiculous little creatures out of clay and make them eat each other or whatever it was Oh, so that was kind of my first inception of like filmmaking, like super humble beginnings. Can you think of like a like you know you hear a lot of people talk about like oh Evil Dead was the movie that made me want to make movies because it looked like oh I could do that. Did you have a movie like that that kind of was like ah oh, that's the one that kind of pushed you towards it? Uh, funny you mention Evil Dead because that movie is like. It just that is such an impactful movie to anybody who wants to be like an aspiring filmmaker. Like you can you can have your stuff down and be a really proficient filmmaker and still come back to the Evil Dead and go, this dude was pushing the envelope, like in so many ways. Like as far as graphic violence goes, and as far as extreme content goes, that movie was up there, especially for the time, and the cinematic. Uh, elements of that movie are just like out of this world good for what few resources they had like that really sets the bar for independent cinema as far as i'm concerned um i'm I'm influenced constantly and have been every time i saw something i thought was cool i could be like oh this scene was rad or the way they spilled the secret was cool here or this effect super sick or this gimmick was amazing Mm -hmm. Um, i wouldn't say it was like one definitive moment but more of like an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different things. Oh yeah, something like Evil Dead is truly one of the movies that's like, oh, that was lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. That really set off, you know, it, it was the match for the fire that would, you know, lead uh, it underground and independent cinema alike to be what it is now. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, it definitely set the bar. Like, after that, like, gosh, it just made everything else look like <clears throat> not so great. So. <laughs> <laughs> so before Box Creep Films, I'm sure you were making short films and stuff like that. What did that early work kind of look like? Um, before Box Creep Films, um, well, the earliest stuff I can think of is definitely those like stop motions and little videos I did with my friends. Um. After I made my, I was kind of coming up with like a production name and I always wanted to do YouTube or be some kind of guy who made video style content and loving horror movies and stuff. I'm like, why would I want to do anything else? Mm. So everything was from then on, it was like monsters and gags and blood and violence and all that good stuff. Um, But after that, Basically, the next video project I've tried to do since I was 13 was I made my first movie. And my first film was um, El Pollo es Loco. Um, oh. And it's actually up on YouTube. Anybody who wants to can see it. But, I mean, may God have mercy on your soul. It's, <laughs> a, it's a it's a rough watch. Um, and I'm going, I went out the gate swinging too. I'm like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot like, I'm going to do what Evil Dead did. I'm going to hit the scene. I'm going to make a splash. It's going to be super violent. It's going to be gnarly. It's going to have all these cool things. Well, we tried. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was fun. My friends had a blast. And it was 45 minutes, which by some standards is a feature. Yeah. And uh, we went from basically never turning on a camera to making like a feature-length project. 
And I went, we got to do this again. It was so much fun. We had a huge premiere. All my friends loved it. And I'm like, well, we got to do it again. So we did El Pollo Es Loco 2, Revenge of the Deviled Egg. <laughs> and I had a, a little <laughs> egg running around with like devil horns and everything. And um, after we did that one, it was an hour long. And I went, this is actually getting to become like a decent little and series of endeavors here. Because it's not like you just say, oh, I make a movie. It's like when you do every aspect of the filmmaking, it's an undertaking. Uh, being like a musician, like I, I score everything, I do all the effects. So storyboarding, screenwriting, everything. Basically, if you don't like it, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely uh, put those on disc. <laughs> I think so too, yeah. It's funny. It, um, I sneak a rubber chicken into everything that I do. Mm, I've noticed <laughs> Yes, I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, um, it's super on the nose, but it's just an homage to back to like where we started, just to remind me that like everything came from like like a little like rubber chicken. Like I've got rubber chickens everywhere. I ended up with too many. It's hilarious. I have like <laughs> rubber chickens that look good. I have like stunt chickens that can be thrown from things and like it's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> yeah, rubber chickens. They just and every I swear to God, I see rubber chickens like every day. Like I just run around. I'm just like, there's chickens everywhere. We have a <laughs> restaurant opening up, and their their logo is a rubber chicken. <laughs> it's like, well, like it's I can't like, escape them. Yeah, like when once you become aware of it, then it's just everywhere. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but it's like a th- like a thing where it's like you know a word or something that you never heard before. Then someone says it, then all of a sudden, it's every sentence everyone says. All of a sudden, you hear it. <laughs> One of those things. Synchronicity. Is that Secret- right? I think it's synchronicity. Yeah, something like that. I'm well educated. Couldn't even spell synchronicity, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did uh, how did Box Creek Films come about? Like, when did it all start? Right. Gosh. Um. If I can remember, I got the poster on my wall. I didn't put the date on the poster. That's how rookie I was. But um, I want to say it was like twenty. Shoot, I don't know. Uh, sixteen-ish or something. I started production on that movie. Maybe even maybe sixteen or seventeen. Um, I was off on Fridays at work and I had a lot of friends who were off and I'm like you know what we were having movie night all the time at my house I have a projector and we were shining them up on the garage door in my garage and we were watching movies like in high school and I started finding that the more extreme the gags were the more reaction I got from my friends so very quickly we went from watching like I don't know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that, which is a phenomenal film, you know. And then it just kept getting more and more gnarly. Before you knew it, we were watching, like, I Spit on Your Grave or The Evil Dead, and it just kept getting more insane. The Girl Next Door. Everybody was kind of dreading what movie Steve was going to bring over. <laughs> <laughs> you bring Girl Next Door, I can kind of understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I did? The worst thing I did was... I've, I've shown like a lot of people like a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have, but I did kind of get like a sick thrill out of pushing them a bit too far. <laughs> um, but I had a huge movie night one time. There was like, well, huge. There was probably like eight or nine people. For me, that was like a lot of friends to have over. And one of my friends was very much pregnant at the time, right out of high school. And I'm like, hey, let's watch Subconscious Cruelty. <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh shit <laughs> and I, i'm sitting there right next to the projection and i'm seeing the baby getting bled out over the lady and i'm just like this is wild can you guys believe this and i turned around and everyone was looking at the ground or they just left <laughs> i had a handful of friends just straight up leave and you're like well i'm never watching movies with steven again <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but from that, I did enjoy that reaction. And every time there was more blood and viscera, I just ate it up. And um, it was kind of like trying to outdo each other and trying to see how far I could push my friends. And then before too long, it's like, well, shoot, once we hit Cannibal Holocaust, the gate was wide open. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, in finding all these films, you find some stinkers, too. Like, you find some shot on video stuff that sucks ass. <laughs> you really do. You guys know <laughs> Oh, God, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, that subjected me to many terrible films. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and John have subjected each other to some 
absolute ass <laughs> over the course of <laughs> I don't even know how many years. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, um, you guys have talked about some of them on your show. <laughs> yeah. Um. So after seeing all those reactions, I was like, you know what? I want to make movies that cause like a, some kind of reaction, whether people love them or hate them. As long as like, people are having a good time watching the movies, it's pretty much the only takeaway that I feel like is really important with my stuff. If they go, well, that was really dumb, but you'll never forget it. I think that's a, I think that's a win in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, yeah. Um, so I became familiar with your stuff through Jonathan Doe and, uh, Immediately wanted to check them out, and the first one I watched was actually uh, Color Space Blood Red. Um, talk a little bit where the ideal came from that, and also I find it very interesting too. The stuff we've been talking about, because the feel of that movie I immediately got when I was watching is like, oh, this is like watching like TV in the afternoon and finding a horror host. Like for us, it was a guy like Wolfman Mac and him showing like a B space horror film, and I was like, this atmosphere is amazing. So kind of talk about your influences, where the movie ideal for the movie came from, stuff like that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. After after I made my first two films, Apollo Loco one and two, um, I went, OK, I'm getting pretty good at this and we'll start making our own movies and we'll get these reactions out of people that we want to see. We want to give them a good time. So I decided to make Color Space Blood Red and I went, I'm going to make like the most violent thing I can possibly think of. And some of the most violent things that come to mind are the guinea pig films. So I was like, I'm going to make a schlocky version as best to my abilities that I can that pays homage to films like The Thing, you know, a great underrated splatter film, I think, or the guinea pig films. And I'm like, I got a guy on a table. Instead of being tortured from the outside, we're going to have an alien burst out of him for upwards of 12 minutes in that one particular scene. And um, I'm like, how crazy can we get? And I'm like, well, I'm going to need sets and everything. So what do I do? Well, I started taking apart doors in my house. And uh, I built all of the interiors out of the same wood. So there's two sets inside the ship. They're both made out of the same materials. I just repurposed them in a different location. Wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. Well, when you're doing everything on like a skin tight budget, you know, it's like, well, what do I do? I could go to the store and spend a few hundred bucks on lumber and stuff. And I'm like, or I could just take apart my door. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. So I started ripping doors down and like, um, I build, uh, like a, I would say every Halloween I build like a pretty elaborate haunted house. And I get like, um, upwards of like a thousand trick or treaters at my house <laughs> every Halloween. So I'm kind of like, uh, the spooky guy in my town. Everybody knows everybody comes flooding in my house and we make people piss their pants and so uh, building sets and things um uh and being in drama class in high school building sets and everything kind of a second nature so i'm like i'm just going to build this spaceship wherever i can what better place than in my bedroom so i built the interior for the spaceships in my bedroom oh that's sick i was wondering because i was like crazy i'm not sure if it's a garage or what it is but it was like I don't know. It's so admirable. Like there's a crop of like independent filmmakers we reference a lot. Guys like Joe Meredith or James Bell, Dustin Mills, Lucky Soretti, who Brian are like Pollen. Brian Pollen, who like refuse to let like little things stop them from making the vision they want. And I put color uh, color space blood red right in there with that because like you know you're building these cool like space suits there's monsters there's creatures bursting out of things and you're i'm sure you're doing this on a tiny budget so yeah i would i'm i think it's an extremely impressive endeavor for sure it's very inspiring too it is yeah to hear like you literally built a set out of just stuff you had and did all this stuff just with material you had is just like it's, it's fucking awesome to hear so Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. You guys just lumped me in with like the heavy hitters of the underground. <laughs> so I'm beyond flattered by that, honestly. Like Paul and Soretti, uh, Dustin Mills, all those guys you just named are really super talented and the worlds that they thrust you into are impressive. And I'm like, that's what I think I would like people to take away from my films that they go, wow, this guy actually built like this little universe for nothing you know what i mean and mm-hmm. when you see that spaceship's been built and you go well obviously it's a set somewhere 
but hopefully you have no idea. It's literally in my bedroom or in my garage. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult to function in my in my bedroom too. I will say, um, <laughs> being in my bedroom for a month while I'm building a spaceship made it very difficult to get dressed. I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had no room. I had like a tiny little square where I like changed and I slept, and that was basically it. <laughs> That's wild. And little things too, like you know, I noticed that like he's got like an intercom on his suit and things like that. Like, how did you come up with those ideals and like how'd you pull that stuff off? Believe it or not, some of those skills came from when I was um, doing those little claymations and things when I was thirteen. Um, I love animation and I love all kinds of animation, stop motion, like traditional, hand drawn. Like, I love all that kind of stuff. And growing up, I had so many hobbies. I did all these weird things. And I worked in clay. I made props. I made puppets. I did all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I looked at all my friends, and I finally went one day, we're just so talented. Let's just start doing something with all of this stuff. So those little things you see in Color Space Blood Red are animations I had done on my phone or on a tablet that I have. And all that stuff makes for great-looking like monitors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's like the little details and stuff like that that makes it work so well. Yeah. Thanks. I'm really glad that you picked up on that. That was a cool little detail. When uh, we had the premiere, people were like, how the heck did you even do that? Mm-hmm. That's me. Like, one of the first things is, like, he puts his hand on the little scanner to, like, open one of the doors. And I was like, that's just such a sick little touch that, like, a lot of people just wouldn't even thought of. They would just Thanks, open the yeah. door. <laughs> I, I, wanted to pull out, uh, I appreciate that a lot. I wanted to pull out as many stops as I possibly could. So I really went for it in that movie, and I'm going to continue to do so. Yeah, it's, it's like even with the like the spacesuit, it like so much detail went into it, and again, like just, just putting into consideration like with you know the budget you had for it, it's just like again, budget doesn't stop you, and that's so fucking cool. I love it so much. Thanks. I think a lot of people would approach a budget and they go, like, if people realized, like, like I made Color Space Blood Red for, like, <laughs> jack nothing. And I don't know if it's a benefit to say it, but I made it for, like, 400 bucks or something. Like, I made it for, like, almost nothing. And I think the production value on it is significantly higher. Um, I spent almost nothing on that movie. And it's just a matter of having the will and the know-how to do it yourself and make something out of nothing, basically. And I don't think it looks like a piece of crap either. I think it's a, I'm pretty proud of that little movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you should be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks. We, we were shooting places where like nothing's with any kind of permits or anything. It's all just run and gun. So you got to get in, film it. And as I call it, you got to shit and get, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, we were walking down passing no trespassing signs like out in public, just in random places uh, with my camera and my buddy dressed as an astronaut walking down the street, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there were yeah. like little kids pointing and going, look, it's a stormtrooper. We're like, yeah, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, with that movie is like you're dealing with like some tentacle monsters and like, you know, without spoiling too much, a full evisceration creature coming out of somebody and stuff like that. Uh, talk a little bit like like, you know, doing effects like that on a low budget and like the difficulties of it and some of the challenges and things you learn while doing it. Um, yeah, there were there were a lot of gags in that film. Um, and it was a whole lot of like um, I'm self-taught with everything. I don't know how to edit or even in music. Like I've been playing music for a long time now, but everything is just self-taught. Um, I imagine podcasting is kind of the same way. You guys just figure it out as you go, you know? So I'm like, well, I want to make a movie where a monster rips out of a dude. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? Well, first I need a dude. <laughs> Next I need a monster. And then I need to learn how to make the monster and all those little things. And I look at it as more of like a fun experience to be had more than like an obstacle where people would go, God, there's no way I could do like have a full size monster rip out of somebody or have spaceships flying around a a spinning planet in space. And I just kind of look at it and go, what's stopping you? I look at it and go, so what if you've got no money, you can still make it and it'll look sick if you're, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
if you're tactile enough to pick up things, um, you can pretty much, you know, you can polish a turn pretty darn good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and like that's another. I don't even think about that. But you talked about there's actually spaceships in the movie that you see floating around, and it's just like again a little thing that a lot of people wouldn't have added in that like adds so much to it. I, I tried to make it as big as a production as I possibly could in a fast-paced gore fest. So um, there's only a couple minutes that go by before blood starts flowing and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I definitely wanted to impress because I knew if I did a good job, it was going to be my first physical release. It was going to be my first real full production that I could put out and feel proud to have. And I love the way it turned out. I have my girlfriend, Michelle. She's an artist, and she did the artwork. For colors based blood red and i think she knocked it out of the park personally <laughs> uh, i like it a lot too yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's the artwork's awesome thanks yeah it's fun um i love what trafford's doing i love what martin trafford's doing but um i wanted to do something different and i didn't want to just look like i feel like there's a bit of a trend going on right now where people are kind of all doing that kind of look mm-hmm. and it looks awesome but i wanted to do something a little different and it's interesting too that you brought up the guinea pig movies because like once you said that I was like oh yeah that makes all the sense in the world yeah you know it really does kind of feel like that um, mm-hmm. so you know touch on extreme and disturbing cinema in general like where when did it go from like just regular horror to like you stepping foot into like some of the more more fucked up shit <laughs> yes yeah. right well we at Blockbuster back in the day all you kiddies listening don't even know who Blockbuster is. Was that you guys always say about being an old man yelling at clouds or whatever? Yeah, old man yelling <laughs> <Yeah>. at clouds. <laughs> oh, man, I'm starting to get there, dude. I'm turning 30 this year. My back's hurting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling it, man. Um, so we had a, a blockbuster right down the street. And when we were 15, 16, we were in high school. We were chums with the people who worked there. And they were um, in, a, in a punk band called Space Milk. Oh, that's and so sick. <laughs> Space Milk was pretty sick, not going to lie, dude. I remember seeing Space Milk play at, like, the pizza joints and stuff around here. And we were friends with them, so they would rent us unrated films, rated R films, films we weren't allowed to see at the time. Because you're not allowed to rent those things till you're 18. Yeah. And so we'd come up and we'd go, like, hey, so what is this, like, martyrs thing all about? And we'd be like, well, you guys should really ease into this one. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So every time they said that, I was like, well, this is cool. So anything, you know, you're not really supposed to see. Just It's like putting that sticker on an album, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like parental advisory. It's like, well, hell yeah, I want to check that out for sure. So the guys in Space Milk, huge shout out to those guys, because they, they gave us stuff like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, um, Martyrs, I Spit on Your Grave, the original and the remake. And uh, the girl next door, um, stuff like that. And then it just kept going. And then pretty soon it was just like, well, God, what is this you know, August Underground thing? What is, what is guinea pig? What is all these things that sound like? I can't even begin to fathom what they were at the time. And it's like, there's this movie called August Underground. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. <laughs> like, what even is that? I couldn't tell you if it was like what kind of media it was. I just was like, well, I got to take it in. And the first time I watched it, I was probably like, so I had the same thing with Cannibal Holocaust. I watched those in pretty close succession to each other. And I remember going to high school the next day and being like looking at normal people and thinking to myself, like, you guys have no idea what the world is like. Cannibal Holocaust is out there and nobody even knows. At least that's how I felt like at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, um, so that's kind of where it started. I was basically trying to push my friends too far, and it worked. <laughs> now nobody watches movies with me. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is Vapor Green, which uh, you know is kind of a different you know step. Where like Color Space Blood Red, bleh, Color Space Blood Red um, is a little more serious, a little darker, a little more bloody and gory. Vapor Green is definitely a lot more in like leaning into like the comedy, but also like a written comedy, not just like the jokes and stuff are funny, not just like visual gags and things like that. Where did the ideal for Vapor Green come from? Um, I was really inspired by the, uh, I'm always inspired constantly by tons of stuff, but something that I really loved 
was this old shot on movie, uh, shot on video movie um, called Gorotica. Um, SRS put it out. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, mm. but it seems like one that's kind of gone under the radar. I don't hear a lot of people talk about. And I think it's a pretty extreme little movie. Like it shows pictures of real death. Um, and it's a necrophile movie. It's all about necrophilia. Um, and it's a nasty little film. And I just loved the atmosphere it created. And so that was a that was a big influence on me for sure. Uh, I made a movie completely different. And my movie's not remotely close. But in the same kind of feeling that it evokes is kind of what I was going for. And I can approach a project and go, I'm going to make the most vile, nasty, sickest thing that anyone's ever seen. And... It's kind of a joke, but everything has like a touch of cuteness to it. Like I can't, mm. like you just can't beat it out of me. I don't know what the deal is, but um, Vapor Green was definitely a more intense plot than Color Space Blood Red was. Color Space Blood Red had a pretty simple premise, but one that no one's really seen before. And same with Vapor Green. Vapor Green was shot, edited, uh, effects, everything within like a month and a half. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) From the inception of the idea to, like, I'm driving down the road, and the thing just hit me like a train. And I'm like, I'm going to make this into a movie. It pulled over, recorded the whole thing into, like, a super long voice note on my phone, (laughs) got home, started writing it all down. And then the guy who I wanted to play, my lead actor, is my buddy Ian Johnson. Uh He's an awesome dude. He's a bit of a spaz, but he's an awesome guy. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, dude, I want you to be the lead. And he was moving in a month and a half. And I'm like, we're going to crank this sucker out like you wouldn't believe. So we did. uh, Yeah, I definitely wanted to bring those guys up. As far as story and effects go, I think it was like the most ambitious thing I could have pulled off at the time, I think. But I definitely wanted to bring up uh, Ian Johnson and uh, Shane Kepler. Is that how you say his name? You got it. Okay. Because, like, they're great in uh, Color, Space, Blood, Red. But in particular, I really, really love them in this movie. Uh, Ricky, it was Rick and Jeremy, I believe. Yeah. Um, Talk about them, like, you know, working with them and, uh, you know, what they bring to the projects. Those guys are so talented, man. They've been some of my best buddies since I was, like, a little kid. We all grew up in the same neighborhood on the street. I still live literally on the same street as Shane. And his sister is Rachel, and she's beautiful, and she's extremely talented, too. I knew both of them, like, all through school, and they're just awesome people. Uh, I'm a huge Kepler fan, as I've told them a million times. But Shane is a uh, a drummer in several bands. He's he's just a super awesome talent. Like, he's one of those dudes who just pick up things and can run with them, and Ian's the same way. And honestly, I'm like just surrounded. I'm inundated with talent. Like all my friends are just oozing talent and they just don't even know it. So me being an exploitation filmmaker, I'm going to exploit it as much as I can. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to make them look as good as I possibly can. And every time it's kind of funny because I don't get invited to do a lot of things with my friends. But anytime I propose an idea, my friends are like, I am there. And they come running. They're like, let's do it. Like, I just had a buddy of mine text me the other day. He's like, dude, when are we shooting your next project? He's chomping at the bit. And that's going to start next month. Ooh. <laughs> Look forward to that. Yeah, I, I, I too am a Kepler fan. Um, <laughs> him as Jeremy in this movie is like, it's so relatable because everybody has that one dude that's like, you know, you, they're useful for some things, but man, you don't really want to be around them. And like he plays that role <laughs> perfectly. I feel like I'm yeah. that friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just use Matt for his uh, Photoshop skills. <laughs> Dude, hey, everybody needs that Photoshop friend. I'm definitely not that friend. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of theirs. And um, having Shane live on my street is such a gift because i can just call him up any day or night any time of the day and just be like hey are you free you want to shoot something he's like yeah let's do it he'll literally just walk down the street with like his beer in his hand like here i am (laughs) (laughs) also i you know i used to be a big skateboarder so i'd be remiss if i didn't ask about the freestyle skateboard that's in the video in the movie uh you know, whose was that? Who was doing the skating? Because clearly there was definitely like some differentiations between some scenes. I saw some primo action going on and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So 
I'm the skateboarder uh, and playing the skateboarder. Um, I live in Southern California. Um, and growing up here, you're basically like, you learn to walk and then you learn to skate. Like, it's not that far of a jump. Everybody's got like 12 boards. Like, it's not that big a thing over here. So, like, I, I was at the skate park twice last week. Like, and it's that, I mean, I talk a bigger game than I can. I kind of suck at skating, but I do <laughs> enjoy it. I do enjoy it. So, I go to the skate park when it's not busy and I stink it up and then I come home, but it's right down the street. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to incorporate skateboarding into his character because I kind of wanted to show the progression of his character going from like a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who's just skating, doing his thing, to kind of getting involved with this whole grave robbing and bodily dismemberment thing. And it kind of starts not going well. So having him start skating in the beginning where he was skating well to kind of not skating as well and kind of crashing and stuff later on in the film kind of showed the deterioration of his character as well yeah i really dig that anytime a movie incorporates skating well too where it doesn't feel cringy is always a plus in my book <laughs> oh yeah the making it not look cringy part was difficult because ian's never skated a day in his life so i had to give him some crash course but <laughs> pulled it off i think to the untrained eye i'd be perfectly fine like just because i i skated i could tell that there was a difference between the person doing the trick and the person skating but i think most people wouldn't even notice <laughs> you know what i i i kid you not you're not you may not believe me but ian is just exudes talent out of every pore in his body and I taught him all of those tricks you see on screen uh, in the film. So people were like, well, obviously you cut to you skating. Like people who know us. Mm. Well, it's even you're skating. Ian's not. I'm like, no, actually, we j I just threw him under the bus. And I was like, you got to do it, man. You're on screen, you know. <laughs> and uh, he did a pretty darn good job. I'm like, I'm for sure. You know what? That's a compliment to me. I'm a good teacher. I could teach him skating. That's right. what it is. <laughs> It's not an easy thing to teach somebody either. <laughs> what was that? Sorry? I said it's not an easy thing to teach somebody either. Like, No. I mean, he couldn't tell you the difference between goofy and regular. Mm. So he's just, I'm just like, go skate. And he's like, dude, I've never skated. I'm like, I've grown up with you my whole life. I never knew you couldn't skate, dude. I'm like, I cast you as this part so you could skate. I'm thinking we're going to be doing stairs. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is the great line where he talks about skating ledges. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so funny, though, because I suck at that stuff, too. But it is fun. You can't... I still drive by places, and I go, oh, my God, I got to skate that spot later. Mm. I haven't skated in a long time. Let me tell you, you never turn that aspect of your brain off. To this day, we'll be driving down the road. I'm like, ooh, look at that stair set. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> I pick right, on him about it all the time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you should um, pick it up again. It's a, it's a fun hobby. I really like it. And um, there is some crossover, I think, between skateboarding and people who like horror movies. Mm. Everybody in, like... It's just more underground circles kind of colliding kind of a yep. thing. I don't think it was done intentionally, but it's the same reason why metal people who like metal music like horror movies. It's kind of the same kind of vein. Like, like Matt, I'm looking at your fat misfits thing on the wall right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, people who like skating, like the misfits, they like horror movies. It all just kind of mends together to this cool underground amalgamation of awesomeness. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that it does happen like that. Like, it's like it's it's kind of rare to find someone in you know our communities that don't like one or the other. Oh, 100 percent. And it's it's so funny because I'm being friends with a lot of people in bands. Like Shane, for example, he's in a bunch of local bands around here. Um, Red Wizard being one of them. And I put out Red a Red Wizard music video on. Um, Shoot, I don't remember. Was it Vapor Green? <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one it was. Yeah, the Red Wizard music video is on Color Space. And then my other friends in a band called Arugula, and they're on Vapor Green. The reason why I could put out their music videos like that is because I'm friends with Buddy from Glory or Death Records. He's like a local record label around here. And they got some awesome bands on there. So I highly recommend, like, Who Do a Kill? From Arizona, they're amazing. Um, Arugula, Red Wizard, 
Um, and then I love, I just love so many different aspects of the subgenres. Like, I like cheesy power metal stuff. Mm-hmm. I like some, there's some grindcore stuff I like. There's just like, there's a ton of stuff all over. Like, Acid Witch is amazing. I don't know if you guys oh, know Acid Yeah. I've been in Acid Witch, like, they're so good. They're so sick. And then, like, uh, Defeated Sanity, like, all the really oh. gnarly technical, like, technical death metal stuff is super sick you know um to the really dumb like you listen to it and like your iq drops 10 points kind of stuff like <laughs> i love yeah. that stuff like, like body box is amazing and stuff. oh and, my god yeah <laughs> like oh my god like dude double wide stomp me like all day long like i'm all about it you know what i mean <laughs> that song goes hard as fuck oh they're so amazing and um playing with all these musicians and stuff like jamming with friends and things like you get turned on to so many different kinds of music i love all the slow stuff like the really doomy stuff i love the fast stuff i love the mid-tempo like down-tuned standard tuning i'm just a huge metal guy you know and talking about music too let's talk about that you know the music of the movies because i i love i'm a big fan of the synth horror themes and i particularly do love the soundtracks to both of these uh talk about like your inspirations for doing them and you know how it is to be a musician and do the scores for your movies at the same time yeah um i before i started making these films i was always playing music and i'm like god this would be so cool to just be set to like some horror movie so i've got like a backlog of like i don't know like 50 different things i want to like track and score at some point um a lot of people go gosh where do you come up with ideas or whatever and people are like i wouldn't know where to begin and i am so full of ideas this isn't like some weird flex or whatever it's more of like a curse than anything but i have so many ideas that i'm i'm never all expire before i ever get them out into the world mm-hmm. uh, it just never stops like my brain just like blah, 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 blah. it just doesn't turn off um, little ADHD in there. Yeah, I feel okay. you. They will but, about uh, it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but um, scoring my films is a super huge part of filmmaking. Like when you listen to a movie on mute, it just completely changes the experience, you know. And I was really inspired by people like John Carpenter or Brian Pollan, people who do a lot of the stuff on their own like especially john carpenter's like early works and stuff like you see that like he was spearheading a lot of the elements behind those movies or people like seretti or pollen today are still doing that they're still scoring and they're doing everything basically themselves and that's a awesome because in some kind of little way i would like to be in that camp i am definitely a different set of skills than some of those guys, but they're all amazing. Who are some other people in the uh, independent scene that you're kind of into right now? Because I think we're starting to see a little bit of a, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, you know, maybe a shift to some more, back to some more traditional horror style stuff. So who are some people that like inspire you in the underground? Um... Yeah, we were kind of talking about that a little bit before this interview went going on. Um, I do want to shout out my buddy Jonathan Doe. We've been great friends for like a long time. And um, like he's coming over and we're going to watch movies later and eat pizza or something, you know. Or, um, and I love what he's doing. But I do find myself getting really burnt out. On, oh, we found more people to piss on each other. Or like, oh, here's a person who really wants to draw their blood and smear it on their face. I'm like, okay, here or cut off a finger <clears throat> or who knows what else but i i do appreciate uh what they're putting out i don't want to uh, slate them you know uh i do think those guys have talent and i do buy their films and i like their films but um as far as things that have like with me real staying power are things that have a story or tell something unique or show something i've never seen before and we're definitely in this environment of people who are like, well, I found two people who can throw up on each other. And then they're like, well, what makes it interesting? It's like, well, they throw up a lot on each other. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I, um, I love that stuff. I appreciate it. You know, the Jonathan Doe, those for Valentine's. I love all that kind of stuff. But 
uh, I have zero desire to make any of that kind of stuff. That's why I really admire people who are pushing it in different aspects, kind of like Brian Holland would be or Lucky Soretti. I know I've talked about them to death. Um, uh, I really do like James Bell's stuff. I've gotten into his stuff a little bit. Um, people of that nature or just finding like obscure shot on video stuff that like I've never heard a lot of people talk about like Garotica for example um, I like a lot of the German splatter stuff I like um, the violent shit series and all that kind of good stuff And um, but there's stuff to get from like every part of the world like everybody had their own little era for a while and I mm. eat it all up like Japan's got stuff left and right Italy's got a lot of great stuff um so stuff like I'm just the influence. The list of influences just go on and on. Oh yeah, and it's always interesting too because it's like just when you think you got a grasp on a lot of stuff, something comes out that you've never even heard of. Like recently, uh, speaking of Lucky Serretti, Dead Vic Productions put out the Swabian Sawmill Massacre, <laughs> and those movies are fucking awesome. Like they're so much fun. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, more really of this. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I really do want to check that out. Um, I love what Serretti's doing. Um, I think a lot of times that he and I, no, we're not really chums. I'm sure we would be if we were to talk, but um, I definitely feel like we're cut from the same plot. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Very, yeah, I get, get a so. lot of vibes if your films and Serretti's films are very similar. And they're, uh, again, we've said it before, they're a breath of fresh air. We're huge fans of both of them. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, something else to uh, bring up, too, is, like, you're talking about, like, you know, being influenced by movies from around the world and stuff like that. It just shows like the beauty of the the world, the wide world of cinema. Um, what like movies from like just you know what wherever like influence you the most? You would say. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, you know, when I think of German, when I think of films from Germany, I think of. Um, shot on video. My mind goes to shot on video stuff right away. Like all the German splatter movement. Like I love the whole reasoning behind it too. They're just like, nope, can't have violent movies anymore. And the Germans are just like, deal with it. We're gonna make some violent movies. <laughs> yep. And they were both violent and shit. So that's a very appropriate tile. Um, uh, when you think of Japan, um, I mean the list goes on and on. Um, um, I mean from the guinea pigs. Um, I love all the grindhouse stuff here in America that happened. Mm. Yeah, like Last House on Dead End Street is like a masterpiece. Yes, like that that's like so dark and beautiful. Like it's like it's so great. It's misogynistic. It's racist. It's violent, and it's just like why wouldn't you want that in your <laughs> underground film? You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's would, funny because you say that in certain circles and people might be like, well, dude, there's nothing cool about whipping a, a chicken blackface or whatever. And it's like, no, but that's what makes this movie amazing. Yeah. Where else are you going to see it? It's like a movie like Fought for Your Life where it's like it's the most racist yeah. movie ever made. Doesn't mean that's a good thing. It's just, you know, that's the catalyst of the film, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And a lot of these films were made under bad circumstances. Like, mm. As much as like the Italian cannibal genre is a lot of fun, those movies were um, probably a nightmare to shoot. Yeah, you know we've talked or, about like, it all the old Mondo films. Like I wouldn't say I'm an expert on anything, but I'm a little well versed in lots of things. Like I've seen some Mondo films, mm-hmm. and um, I would not be opposed to Mondo films coming back in maybe a little bit better way than maybe Charlotte's Net did it. <laughs> Well, you know, that wouldn't be too hard, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I will say, uh, I'm not so much into, like, the whole mixtape thing. Like, it's not really my forte. <laughs> that I know almost nothing about. Like, I, I understand that they're out there, and I've seen some of those clips from the internet and stuff like that. But to me, there's... I know you guys have made a mixtape, and I understand that it's not in that same kind of vein. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I personally think mixtapes are fun when they have the intention of being fun. Like yep. if if they are just you know gore clips from the internet, it's just like what what what's the point? Right. It's like oh, I visited bestgore.com too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
We've all been yeah. there. <laughs> I think we've all at least know what the YNC is. We don't need to just put every video from the site into a four-hour compilation. Do you guys ever hear of that old website, Rate My Poo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <Definitely. laughs> I wonder what happened to that. <laughs> it may still exist. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, God. I'm making a weird Google search later. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just have the internet condom on. That's the fun. Yeah. Like yeah. VPN. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. No joke. You get to some sketchy websites. I was, and I've always loved darker stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I saw this dude talking about being like a virtuous pedophile one time online. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> and I was like, what? So I started going down that rabbit hole. Ooh. And then I started pop ups that made it feel like the government was watching me. So I'm for. I am between the movies and reading about that dude. There's got to be some kind of FBI <laughs> deal on me now. We're definitely all on some kind of list for sure. Yeah, like especially like you know I've been getting into like Hisiasu Sato films. Uh, dude, okay. you, you, you like Google any of his movie titles, you're on a list. You nay means yes. I mean, dude, you're mainly on a list. <laughs> like this is horror shit. I wasn't even thinking about it when we did our you know our episode. Mm-hmm. And I looked up fucking Lolita vibrator torture, and I got a warning being like, yeah, you might end up coming across some real fucked up shit if you keep going. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just going to back the fuck out of this. <laughs> like, why would you, I why? <laughs> I know. I, I still get a thrill out of showing people insane movies. Like, if I'm going to show them, like, people go, what's something really gnarly? And I'll show them Bouquet of Guts and Gore or something, right? <laughs> And it's weird to see people's reaction because they just shut down. And it, it's because they're used to seeing movies that are fun or to entertain. And it's like, no, that movie is like a visceral assault, you know? Yep. And yeah. it just makes people totally different. So when you're going down these rabbit holes, people know now it's more common because the iceberg, I think, and stuff. But people understand that these rabbit holes get as dark as you want to go. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. We all have yeah. off jumping off points kind of thing, you know. There's always that one movie you watch where it's like, yeah, I think this yeah. is where I stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like Jonathan Doe, like his fucking like knowledge of every little like nook and cranny of the fucking uh, like everything in extreme cinema is just fucking wild. So, like. I don't know. It, like, it is crazy, like how far this shit can go. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's insane. I <laughs> one of the first times um, I was at his house, I was actually watching his dog while he was shooting defilement of a porcelain oh. doll. And I walked into his house, and he just had this like mixtape of like zoophilia, like sitting on the couch. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that looks like a fun time." <laughs> <laughs> just gonna. Not look at that. <laughs> yeah, like ever. <laughs> and it's, but it's great that like he like reviews stuff like that because like I found that my off point is the Japanese fetish porn. It's not for me. It's not my cup of tea. But I can watch him talk about it and learn about it and not have to watch it myself. <laughs> sure, sure. Like uh, I've got like the first two Squirm Fest movies, and it's just mm-hmm. like man, those were uh, a rough one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not for me, man. <laughs> no, yeah. no, God, no, it doesn't look like fun. And uh, I want to know what they paid that chick to do it because that was not a high budget production, you know? <laughs> like, man, if you're going to tie me down and poop in my mouth, you're going to have to pay me a lot more than she paid, that she yeah. got paid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it's like I, I occasionally get morbidly curious to watch the, the fetish porn stuff like that. And then I'll like I'll watch it and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, no. It's better you know, to I, like. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. After you, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's for me. It's just better to like look look at a distance and like like okay, yeah, that's something that exists. <laughs> just not go there too often. Right, right. And it's it's so funny. Uh, you hear people talk about these kind of things and everybody goes, God, the world is so dark and it's such a terrible place and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, but I've just never had that outlook. I'm just such an optimistic guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think my movies kind of reflect that. Um, mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of fun with the dark stuff, but 
I don't know. It just brings me some kind of sense of weird, perverse joy, I guess. I watch all this stuff. And, you know, people say, you know, how far do things go? You know, and it's like, well, there's stuff. There's real death out there. There's um, real death of people and animals. Um, looking at you, Mr. Dora, your guys' favorite topic. Oh, God. <laughs> Shoot hard on Mario Dora. Oh, I felt so bad. Um, Matt, I think you were like freaking out the other day. I wrote in, I said something about Maureen Dora, and you're like, I can't escape the man, dude. He's everywhere, <laughs> dude. Oh my god, like we got like three questions that episode about Maureen Dora. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> he's fa- he is fascinating. I mean, you can't deny that about him, <laughs> he is, but I. Mm. I'm not going on a rant. I'm not going on a rant on Mario Dora in the interview. I'm not. I can't. (laughs) Don't get me started. It's so funny because, like, everybody wrote in that week about Mario Dora, and I'm just like, oh, crap, I did too. (laughs) It's wild. So I think an interesting question is, as we're kind of talking about the extreme cinema, is how far is too far for you? Oh, yeah. Like, what's your line? It's an interesting topic. Um, As far as... Now, my movies are a little extreme, but they're not going to be the most extreme you've ever seen. But that may change at some point in the future. I used to have a stance that when things are real, that's what the extreme nature is. Like if you watch the news, it's infinitely more intense or shocking than anything a fake film could ever portray. Because somebody really did get hit by a car or hit with an explosive or something, right? But I've kind of changed my tune a tad on it because filming real death or real bodily harm or some of the fetishy stuff that's out there is totally, it's completely different, but it's still extreme content and they are still films. I'm not trying to say that, but to create something that rivals that in a fake atmosphere, I think is, um, I would argue is more noteworthy. Look at like the, you know, the August Underground films or something, for example, that pushed the envelope so far, you know, and there were some, a couple occasions where like maybe the chick cut her chest or something a little bit, but the, predominantly the, the scenes are fictitious and made up. And I almost think letting that kind of stew in a creative person's mind is almost more disturbing in some way. So for me, um, I'm uh, by no means like a PETA guy or whatever, but I wouldn't kill any animals on screen. I wouldn't do something like that. I personally don't want to be naked on screen. I wouldn't Hmm. film myself being naked or whatever. Um, And I have zero desire to film um, fetish content. And um, so I probably just won't do that out of kind of, for lack of a better term, I would say boredom of that kind of subgenre. Because it just feels kind of like, well, we've seen this before a lot. The stories a lot of times aren't as ambitious as I'd like them to be or something like that. And I'll still dabble in it and I'll take a look at whatever's coming out because I do enjoy that stuff. But for me personally, I'll probably never shoot that kind of stuff. And that's not to say that I won't shoot sexually explicit material. Um, Because I have an idea for a project that I know I mentioned to John before. And he's chomping at the bit for me to shoot it. Because um, as soon as I mentioned it, he was like, no one's ever done that, like remotely close to that. And I'm like, yep. And his eyebrows raised and he was like, I don't even know how you're going to pull it off. And I'm like, me neither, but I can. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, a great attitude to have towards this. It's like, it's like, oh, no, no one's done that before. Or, oh, how can I do that? Well, I'm going to at least try, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Very yeah. admirable. Yeah, whether or not like you pass or fail isn't necessarily the most important thing. Um, for me personally, I will not ever release anything that I don't feel is a success. I will not do a disservice to my audience like that. I think that's wrong. But from a creative perspective, um, just giving something 100% is what's important, is that you've tried it and you've attempted something. Um, right. Like you guys did with your magazine. I'm sure there are things about your magazine you wish you could have done or maybe done a little better or whatever have it be in your heads, you know. But I love the magazine. And you guys probably got an immense satisfaction out of seeing people like us get them. Yeah, sure. 
Definitely. And you guys should be super proud of that in this podcast, you know? Mm. Oh, shucks. We <laughs> <laughs> no, appreciate it. Speaking of shucks, I should clear the, the uh, thing of my name. <laughs> yes. Because my last name is all sorts of retarded. Nobody ever gets my name right. <laughs> so my name is Stephen Rischuck. And you guys do a great job. You guys actually knock it out of the park. You guys do a better job than Jonathan Doe does. <laughs> <laughs> like, no joke. I was on his, well, maybe this is a spoiler. I don't know whose episode's coming out first, but whatever. If he's got an issue with it, he can handle it like a man. So I was on his show. <laughs> I was on his show. And uh, that's either going to come out shortly before or after yours. You guys are kind of in vying for competition here <laughs> but there's um, gonna be two podcasts with steven g coming out so hey. yeah i'm psyched it's really cool to see and um i have uh some inklings going on some rumors going on that i might be part of like a documentary that's going on in, down in brazil um i'm gonna be interviewed to talk about orozco the embalmer oh yeah oh, shit for Facine. Or I think that's how you pronounce it. It's Portuguese, I believe, so. <laughs> I know nothing about Portuguese. We barely so speak I... English, so. <laughs> yeah, I struggle enough with English, too, man. <laughs> so, speaking of, you spoke on it a little bit, but uh, what is next for Box Creep and you? Is it the third of the Colors trilogy? Because it's on the back of the boxes. I feel like it's got to happen, right? You got it. I was knocking around a few ideas trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Because I have some things I want to do more skateboarding in. Um, which would make Brandon Terry for Morbid Horror really yes. happy because the dude shreds. He's a really, He's really good. good. <laughs> oh, he is. Uh... He is insanely good. I'm like, man, I did a kickflip today. He's like, dude, have you seen what I do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's insanely great and a uh, swell guy too. Really nice dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's next for me is I decided, yeah, I'm going to do the final color in the trilogy of colors. Because I had color space for red. Paper green. The next, I'm not going to release the title just yet because it's going to be a little while before it comes out. People have a nasty habit of announcing things before they come out. Oh, uh, no, what? <laughs> no, no, we talking about. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, um, it's not going to come out for a while, but shooting will begin. Um, hopefully next month I'll be doing some kind of B-roll kind of stuff, but it's going to be a very ambitious project and the color is going to be black. Cool. Cause I kind of look at red as like, well, you're born, maybe born in blood. Right. And then as you grow, like nature does green, right. Kind of like the midsection and then black is death. There's nothing beyond. So, but that's a dumb artsy fartsy bull that nobody cares about. <laughs> My, uh, graphic design brain immediately was like, Oh, red green blue so it's rgb (laughs) (laughs) you know what i would have come up with that but i'm not that smart so (laughs) that's just me being a nerd ignore me (laughs) i guess it still works um, actually yeah black uh, yeah i can come up with something for blue but it's not really in the works black is going to be the thing and it's um it's going to be my most ambitious project like for sure i want to improve at least in a couple different elements with each film that i put out so that people go eh, it wasn't like his other stuff you know i never ever want to hear that so in this movie um against some people's better judgment um i'm gonna push it pretty far there's there's gonna be like stop motion involved there's gonna be oh, wow. puppets involved there's gonna be live action there's gonna be several locations um, i have to do some stunt work where i light myself on fire um, uh, be careful. Which, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, which for me, which saying that publicly, like, I don't know. I kind of think of the fire thing. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to go up. I'm going to be put out. I'm going to be all right. But if it goes wrong, you end up with like six fingers missing an eye and you end up on Oprah. Uh. <laughs> I'd rather, I would rather not be doing that. You <laughs> on <laughs> <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> oh, boy, I'd rather funny. not do that. I definitely don't have a death wish, and I'm not really into hurting myself, so I want to make it out all right. But I do have a story to tell. Oh. Oh, God. Yep. We'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed, guys. Wish me luck. (laughs) 
de- definitely. Um, we're, we're looking forward to that for sure. For sure. Yep. It's uh, so funny. Jonathan Doe thinks it's the stupidest idea ever. And he's probably really right. Um, but he just every like every week he's sending me videos of like people lighting themselves on fire and it not going well. <laughs> and he's, he's trying <laughs> desperately to talk me out of it, and I think it's just adorable. But <laughs> but um, he's a swell guy. He's gonna be there. He's gonna be there with one of the dudes putting out the fire. Oh God. Yeah. yeah, just be careful. Yeah, just don't tell us yeah. when it's happening. Just tell us when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, Dude, yeah. I got my girl gave me the green light, and I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. It's, it's a going down now. <laughs> so we'll see. And you know what's so funny is, is when you're watching a movie, you watch it, a, you watch a burn, and you're just like, yeah, it happened. Mm. You watch a big budget Hollywood movie. The burn a dozen people at the same time. They're all running around. They're all fine. And then it's like, gosh, but on a budget like I'm working with, it is a big to do. You know what I mean? For sure. So for me, it's pushing the envelope a little bit. Any kind of stunt work on a small budget is always insanely like you got to tip your hat to it, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. there's no strings. Like there's no safety net. You're just doing it. <laughs> right, right. I think it was in Morbid Tales, Brian Pollan's kind of um, anthology thing. Mm-hmm where one of his buddies like lit his arm or something on fire and i was like i could pull that off <laughs> i could totally pull that off but i was like i could pull that off everywhere <laughs> oh God. so we'll see how it goes <laughs> but there's no backing out now i've mentioned it on his show your guys show so it's gotta happen and i think it's so funny because everybody winces i'm just like it ain't even gonna be a big thing i, yeah. I don't know i've heard some horror <laughs> stories man <laughs> We're sending positivity. That's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna I, I go watched great. that water documentary. I know all about how bad it could get. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, where can they pick up Box Creep Films to help you burn yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, uh, as we're, it feels like maybe we're winding down a little bit. I'm sure I've talked your guys' ears off. Sorry. No, no, this is great. <laughs> just doesn't stop, like I said earlier. But I want to thank you guys for having me on your show. Honestly, I've been listening for such a long time. I never thought I'd get here, but this is such an honor for me. Um, I really greatly appreciate you guys. I can't wait to just know that it's out there and go, oh, my God, I made it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beyond honored. So, if people want to find me, they can find me on Instagram at Box Creep Films, or they can find BoxCreepFilms.com, where you can buy. Uh, we have T-shirts out now, where you can buy Box Creep Films T-shirts. You can buy our DVDs. Um, I want to thank all my 300 and something Instagram followers. I'm working on it, and um, I'm so grateful to be like a part of this whole independent cinema thing everyone i've met has just been like all smiles and really supportive of each other and you guys have been so sweet to me shouting me out all the time and um honestly can't thank you guys enough so thanks oh no. i mean no problem man we 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 love your work so mm-hmm. and you're a fucking awesome dude so we don't just back something because someone's nice we back it because we like it and we exactly. genuinely really like your movies so and you're amazing so <laughs> it is yeah. <laughs> It's just the hair. <laughs> <laughs> you do have great hair, so. Well, if it gets burned up in the scene, I'll be doing a remake. So. <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. No, let's not go there. <laughs> but uh, once again, thank you for coming on, sir. And yeah, everybody go buy the movies. They're great. Yes. Thanks, man. And all you people out there, listen to Sick on Cinema. It's the best damn podcast out. Hail the rubber chicken. <laughs> Hail the rubber chicken. Thanks, my man.